Hello and welcome to Floods of Justice. Today we are talking about the economy and what the Bible has to say about it. We'll be right back. If you have your Bibles, open them to Amos chapter 5. And I want to read verse 24 where the prophet Amos says, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, justice, justice. The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Led by Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs, affectionately known as Pastor Kevin or Rev Kev, he is the senior pastor of Franklin Community Church and founder of Franklin Community Development in Franklin, Tennessee. He is also a published author, teacher, professor, activist, abolitionist, husband, father, grandfather, scuba diver, and coffee connoisseur, which is why this podcast is brought to you from the coffee house at 2nd and Bridge in downtown Franklin. Let's begin the conversation. Welcome back, everybody. We are here for another episode of Floods of Justice. Uh, and today marks our first one back since the government is is uh, sort of opening. Tennessee is sort of slowly opening. So it's uh, our, our world's a little bit different today. How are you, Pastor Kevin? I'm doing good. I, I got out some yesterday. Um, and uh, that would have been a Monday when everything was supposed to kind of start opening back up again. Right. And uh, there was a big difference in traffic. Um, I mean, it was it was all on uh, yesterday, right. and uh, uh, through our through our small town of Franklin, it was it was uh, like wow, this this is getting. And then Misty and I went for a walk, and uh, more people were out. Of course, it was a gorgeous day yesterday too, but uh, more people were out in the park. Um, than we'd seen in a while. And yeah. uh, so people are slowly getting out. We'll see what happens. I'm hoping maybe next week we can actually go back to the coffee house. Uh, yeah. I'll call, I'll call a uh, uh, Mike, the owner and ask him if they're going to be open and, and uh, if we could be part of that 50% uh, <laughs> occupancy. And, put our names uh, in the hat. Yeah. Put our names in the hat. And, uh, uh, and so maybe this is the last, uh, the last kind of long distance um, podcast we have to record where we're doing it over, phones and zoom and everything else but yeah. uh well it seems like across we'll the board and across industries everybody's kind of realized we can if we have to like this remote yeah existence and remote working and remote school we can if we have to it's not ideal it's not easy there's challenges but we can do it yeah we can do it i had i had three zoom meetings yesterday um and uh um you know it's like okay this this is there's a part of me that really likes the fact that I don't have to get up and get dressed to go to a meeting. I can just yeah. put on a hat and sit down in front of my computer. Well, I heard a statistic the other day that, uh, that Walmart, uh, I think it was Walmart was reporting record sales in, in shirts and blouses and a drop in the sale of pants. <laughs> well, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It is Walmart. So there may be other reasons <laughs> why we're not buying, wearing pants, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's something to think about. I was like, oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> it's an curious, I do yeah. have on shorts. All right. Exactly. I, am, I am completely dressed. So <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. This is an audio podcast, but uh, that video. <laughs> hey, but I want you to notice that Kevin didn't respond if he was or not. So we'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> so today we are diving back into the economy, literally, figuratively. Um, but in the discussion today, we want to approach this from a from a biblical standpoint here. But let's let's go ahead and kind of lay some foundational work here on some concepts that we'll we'll talk about. Yeah, well, the reason I I think that this topic is important um, for us at this time is because again, you know, our city um, is is trying to phase in an opening up process of the economy. Our state is doing the same thing. Uh, the country is um, trying to figure this out as well. And so there's different, uh, you know, throughout the country today, I guess there's different counties, different states doing different things uh, to try to slowly open up um, the economy. And so that's what got me thinking about just the economy and and uh, the, biblical, the biblical worldview of that. And, and really, you know, you, if you think about it, kind of the, the conversation around this has been, are we moving too quickly? Um, are we going to regret this if we move too quickly in a couple of weeks? Are we going to be right back where we were? Uh, are the cases of, uh, of the coronavirus going to explode? Um, and, uh, you know, are we putting profits above people? You know, and some of the things I've read have been a little bit disturbing about that, you know, about, well, it's almost like, well, you know, no matter what we do, people are going to die. So let's, 
let's uh, open up the economy and at least people can be making money while people, and that may not be what they mean, you know, but, but sometimes it comes across as like, well, wait a minute, we're saying, okay, if, you know, people are dying of, of the virus one way or another. And, and if people don't get back to work, they're going to die. Uh, and if they go back to work, they're going to die. And so there's, you know, what's the risk reward factor. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, and that's a little troubling. Um, but yet at the same time, recognizing that, you know what, eventually you got to, you got to go back to work eventually. You know, you can't, you can't stay like this indefinitely. And so the question is when, um, you know, and not necessarily well, are we going have to different win. requirements, you know? Like yeah. It, yeah. For somebody, it's not as urgent to go back to work, but for somebody else, it, it is a matter of life or death or survival. Um, to, yeah. to go back to work. And if you think about it, like a lot of things, it hurts the middle class and it hurts the lower class because, you know, there's a really good chance if you have a, a high income job, there's a really good chance that you could uh, continue to work and you did continue to work, be it through Zoom conferences or through the computer. But if you're a janitor uh, or, a, or, or a restaurant worker, you can't do that from a distance, you know, and so the, and so the lower paid jobs um, are the ones that are really, really, I think, feeling the pressure, uh, may, maybe so much, maybe so that to get back to work. And so, you know, there's probably not a right answer. We're, we're learning. Um, we're kind of learning as we go. We, we may be sorry. <laughs> it may, it may prove in two weeks that this was too soon, or it may prove that, you know, that was a good thing. Let's speed up the process. So, so, uh, so who knows? And so I'm trying to give grace, um, to people who are making these decisions because, um, there, there really isn't a good decision. You, you follow the data, uh, but right now the data can sometimes be contradictory even, you know, different doctors and scientists are saying different things. So it's just, a, it's, I think we need to extend some grace. And, and just because the economy opens up doesn't mean that you personally have to get out there. You know, if right. you can, if you can stay at home and keep working from home and not have to uh, rush out into, uh, uh, into a restaurant or, or into a retail store, or you don't have to rush back to work, you can continue at home for a while, uh, you know, do that. But when you're out, do your best to follow the guidelines and, and the suggestions of wearing a mask and and uh, washing your hands and and uh, and I'm you know I don't mind washing my hands. I hate wearing that mask. I, I just yeah. I, I just I, I just hate it. But I do the best to wear it when I am out. <laughs> well, the concept of of data versus people is is an interesting challenge there because the, you know there's there is value in data and you can use data to help people. And, and help the the mo- most amount of people that you can from it, but there's also that impersonal thing of well, you're just following data. Like so, is is yeah. one death acceptable? Is twenty thousand deaths acceptable, or is it a per capita, for you know, per population issue of uh, of what of what is acceptable? And what's that turning point of well, no, we, we need to step in now. Or yeah, know, I think and, that's exactly right. That, I, and I think that's the issue is is where, where do the people come into play in this and uh, over the data? But anyway, let, let's just get started. What I want to do in this first part is I'm going to re- revert back to my um, sociology days when I was uh, a professor of sociology at a college and just kind of give some basic definitions. This is not to say you don't know what these are. Just kind of remind us of some basic definitions of, uh, of, of the economy and the different types of economy. and then um, And then we'll move into what to what scripture says. So, so anyway, so if these sound a little bit textbook, it's because they are, uh, but uh, it'll help us, I think, get going in a, in the right direction. And so um, every society's economic system makes a statement about justice by determining who is entitled to what. And so that's really what the economy does. Who, who's entitled to what? Uh, there are two general economic models and those are capitalism and socialism. And I want to make, clear up the front that that's what we're talking about. People don't, I think sometimes people misunderstand this, that capitalism and socialism are economic systems. That's all they are. Uh, they're not, you know, there's obviously there's political ramifications of each one. Uh, but, but technically speaking, when you talk about capitalism and socialism, you're talking about economic systems. Um, and so while you have those two models of capitalism and socialism, uh, no nation anywhere in the world has an economy that is completely one or the other. 
basically all the world's economies are on a spectrum and you could put capitalism on one side, socialism on the other side, you know, draw a line between the two and uh, the nation's economies fall somewhere along that line. And so, you know, you could say this, that the United States is a capitalist society with socialistic leanings. Um, and so really the question becomes, do you want, do you want capitalism or socialism? That's not the right question. The question is, in a capitalist society, how much socialism are we comfortable with? Uh, because, um, and, and really, if you take it to an extreme, socialism to an extreme becomes communism, which is a political uh, system, and, uh, and that can be detrimental and that can be harsh. Um, but capitalism left unrestrained it is just as evil as socialism, um, you know, and it can cause just as much harm as, as, as uh, socialism. And, and so I'm thankful that, that, there, that our country is not strictly capitalistic because in a strictly capitalistic country, there would be no regulations. And so people could pretty much do whatever they want to do. And as long as people were willing to buy that product, it wouldn't really matter how safe it is and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but the moment you put regulations on it, that is a form of socialism. Uh, and, so we're, and so all of us just kind of fall on this, on this, um, on this path. Um, and so capitalism and socialism are two ends of a, of a continuum along, along which all real world economies can be located. And I want to make this point up front, too. Um, and I know there's going to be people who disagree with this. Um, but, uh, but anyway, and, and the point is this. Um, neither capitalism nor socialism are entirely biblical or non-biblical. You know, so you can't say capitalism is, is biblical. Well, no, it's not. If anything, if you look at scripture, you can make a better case that socialism is, you know, sell all you have, give to the poor and that kind of thing. Um, and so, but it doesn't mean that it's anti-Bible. You know, it, it doesn't mean that at all. It's just these are economic systems that have been derived by men. And, um, and so both of them are going to have strengths and weaknesses, good and bad uh, in it. All right. So, so anyway, so here's some basic definitions. First, economics. And so economics is, is defined as a social institution that organizes a society's production, distribution, and consumption of goods and services. You know, it could be back in the agricultural days. Uh, now, you know, we move from agricultural to the industrial revolution. Uh, now we're post-industrial. We're, we're post-post-post-industrial probably. But economics, it has, has to do with, with how, a, how a society produces, distributes, and uh, consumes goods and services. Uh, goods would be things that you buy. Services would be uh, things that that people do for you. You know, so so if I you know if if I if I go to the doctor, that's a service. And then he gives me a prescription, and I go to the pharmacy. Now that's a good, but then the pharmacist is a service, and so uh, so it's goods and services. Um, capitalism is an economic system in which natural resources and the means of producing goods and services are privately owned, and so that's the key. Uh, in capitalism, you have private ownership. Now, again, uh, you know, we're a capitalist society, but yet the government does step in and say, well, wait a minute, that business owns too much private stuff. So it's a monopoly. So let's break it up. You know, because, again, capitalism left unchecked can be just as um, evil as socialism left unchecked. Um, all right. And so, but capitalism has to do with, with the ability to, to have privately owned businesses, privately owned property, and so forth. So, there, so there's three distinctives within capitalism. And, and pay attention to these three because socialism would be the opposite of these three. But the three distinctives in capitalism are private ownership of property, of property um, the pursuit of personal profit, um, and uh, competition and consumer choice. Uh, Within capitalism, you know, everybody can pursue their own profit. And basically, the, the idea in capitalism is me making a dollar does not take a dollar away from you. Now, in socialism, it's kind of this, it's not quite that same way. That when you have too few, when you have too few people owning the majority of stuff, then in essence, you are taking away opportunity uh, and, and finances from another person. But those are the three distinctives that within capitalism, you have private property, you, you have the freedom to pursue your own personal profit. So if you want to make a lot of money, you can. If you don't want to make any money, you don't, you don't have to. It's just freedom of this pursuit. 
and then competition and consumer choice. Uh, so there's, you know, and, and so the mark, you know, competition for the most part we see as being a good thing. It keeps, it keeps prices down. It helps, it make, it makes people uh, perform or, or, um, you know, develop better goods and services. Uh, so this competition and, uh, and, cons- and now, you know, you go to the grocery store um, and you have all kinds of choices of whatever cereal you want to buy or whatever it may be. Whereas, you know, if you don't have that private ownership, then everything kind of becomes the same, at least in theory. And and so another thing I want to point out is both in both capitalism and in socialism, there is an idea of justice. It's just what is justice? And in capitalism, justice um, in a capitalistic system amounts to freedom of the marketplace where anyone can produce, invest, buy and sell according to individual interest. So you can. In capitalism, if you've got a good idea, you can throw it out there. If people want it, um, you can sell it, and you could become wealthy. If it's something no one wants, then you know you back up and you try again uh, with you know with something else. And um, and so uh, and so, really, a big word would be uh, entrepreneurship. Okay, and so freedom within capitalism is the freedom to pursue self-interest. And self-interest doesn't necessarily mean selfishness. It just means, you know, hey, you can do anything you want to do. And uh, so if you the can. The American dream. The American dream. If you can, if you can, uh, uh, if you can, if, if you can find out what your love is and what your passion is and figure out a way to make money doing that, then, you know, that that's going to be freedom. And so I can pursue, um, you know, I can pursue whatever it is that I want to pursue um, in a, in a capital, in a capitalistic society. Uh, and so anyway, so that's just kind of capitalism, but I'll stop there. If you've got any comments or things you want to add in there. No, no, that's, that's great. Um, this, this is a good lesson for me. I'm not, uh, economically minded. So just kind of understanding the foundations on it. I, I always approach things from more of a, a human personal relational point of view. So it, it's good for me to step out of my comfort zone and go, all right, let's just look at kind of the, the hard facts and definitions on these things. All right. All right. So with that said, then let's move on to socialism. And, um, and again, just like capitalism, socialism is an economic system. Um, but in, in socialism, um, the economic system is an economic system in which natural resources and the means of producing goods and services are collectively owned. Now in communism, that socialism to an extreme, everything is governmental owned. But most um, most countries in the world today that we look at and say they're socialist, it's a combination of private and uh, and, and public owned owned things. And and again, in some ways, it's it's the same way here. But uh, but you know the the less the less government regulations you have, the less government run things you have uh, in capitalism, you see that as better that. Uh, that government, you know, I think it was Ronald Reagan who said government is not the solution to the problem. Government is the problem. Well, that's a that's a capitalistic way of looking at things. And it's and it's not it's not entirely true. It'll rile up your base <laughs> to go vote uh, by saying those kind of things. And so in capitalism, the, the big idea is is um, private ownership within socialism. The big idea is collective uh, ownership. And, uh, and so there's three distinctives of socialism. Uh, one, collective ownership of property. Um, and as this, is, this is especially business property. So like even in, in, in a socialistic country, you can own your own house. Um, and you could, you could even have your own business if it was small. Uh, but the larger businesses are going to be collectively owned and heavily regulated. And, um, and so, you know, and so basically the collective ownership has to do with the means of production, basically, uh, that th- there has to be this collective uh, ownership. Um, and so, you know, you, and so you can't, um, you, you can't own the bus line, you know, so public transportation uh, would be collectively owned, which for the most part is the same way here. Now, what's interesting is Honduras which was is which is more socialistic than us in most countries even ours public transportation is owned and operated by the government um uh so even in a capitalistic country the the buses in the cities are government run for the most part in honduras it's all private and so, and so you have you have all these buses 
you, you know, basically, you know, if you want to have a bus route, you buy a bus route from the city. So that may be some regulations, but then there's no limit. However many people you can get on that bus, that's, <laughs> that's, that's up to you. The more people, the more money. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the car. bus is your responsibility. If it breaks, you got to fix it. You got to wash it. You got, you know, you own the bus. So you own the means of production. Whereas even in our country, public transportation, if the, if, if a bus breaks down, the bus driver's not fixing it. <laughs> you know, there's so, somebody else who, who, and ultimately the state uh, and, or the city tax dollars are, are, are going to help are going to help fund those things. And so, um, and so when it comes to uh, collective ownership, you're really talking about the means of production. And so the three distinctives, collective ownership of property, uh, second of all, within socialism, there's the pursuit of collective goals. That's called the common good, basically. Um, and so, you know, within socialism, I'm, I, I am, uh, I am just as concerned about my neighbor and how my neighbor lives than I am myself. And so I'm willing to uh, give up my rights to pursue wealth in order that there's a, there's an each share of, of, uh, of goals that other people have what they need as well. And then within socialism, the third distinctive would be the government control of the economy. Um, and so again, just like capitalism has an idea of justice within socialism, you have an idea of justice. And so uh, justice in a socialist context means not competing to gain wealth uh, by meeting everyone's basic needs in an equal manner. And so if you think of the game Monopoly, uh, that's a purely capitalistic system because my goal is to put you out of business, you know. Uh, and so the person who ends up controlling the entire Monopoly board wins and, and they have the most money. Well, in a, in a socialistic country, you know, there's going to be some shared, there's this idea of sharing um, and, uh, and the government is going to control that and um, the context and, and justice means that people have their basic needs met. There's okay. probably not a really good socialist board game. No, the, no, the, it might not be very exciting. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it would. It, you'd have to rewrite all of the rules uh, <laughs> from that. All right, and so freedom. Th to me, th this is important. Uh, let me back up. Freedom within capitalism is freedom to pursue self-interest. Okay. Freedom in socialism is the freedom is freedom from basic wants. And so freedom in capitalism is entrepreneurship. Freedom in socialism is, is uh, equality, if that makes sense. Okay. And so, you know, do I want the freedom to pursue whatever I want to do? And, and in the long run, I may go bankrupt and I may go hungry um, and other, and, and other people, like if I own a business and then my business goes bankrupt then that affects everybody. <laughs> now everybody's basic wants are who work for my business are hurting or do I want the freedom to have, you know what? I know that I'm going to have enough money for my basic needs of food and clothing and water. That's all I need. Anything extra is a bonus and, and I can live life happily knowing that at least my basic needs are going to be met or I can live life happily knowing I can do and pursue whatever it is I want to pursue. And so it's the idea of freedom. But, but I guess what's important to me to point out is that both capitalism and socialism believe in freedom, you know, and, and, and both it's just freedom from what? Well, freedom to pursue your self-interest or freedom uh, to have your basic wants and needs met. Um, and so it just, so it becomes an ideology, which one, which one would you prefer? And, and again, most, if not all, of the world's economies are a combination of capitalism and socialism. Um, you know, and so we're, we are a capitalist country with socialistic leanings. Uh, other countries may be a socialistic country with some capitalistic leanings. It just depends on, on what side of the spectrum um, that you're on. But to an extreme, both would be evil. And to an ex and um, and both have their strengths and weaknesses because both are man-made and the heart. The Bible says that the heart is deceptively evil above all things, and so neither system is going to be perfect because of the hearts of the people who are, who are, um, who are in control and who and who are running from that. But with that said, here's just a couple of other examples of this combination of socialism and um, capitalism. One is called welfare capitalism. 
And welfare capitalism is an economic system that combines a mostly market-based economy with extensive social welfare. Um, and so, okay, this is where taxes would come into play. So I have my own business. I can make my own pursuit. But I had, but this idea of welfare means that okay, we got to have um, health care. We, you know, there's some things that that people have that are basic right, and uh, and those who can have to have to be able to work to make sure that the people who are disabled have a safe place to live and so forth. So, so it's welfare capitalism, uh, and so government owns the large industries uh, for the social good like transportation and health care, uh, and then the other industries are privately owned, basically. Uh, state capitalism is an economic system in which companies are privately owned but cooperate closely with the government. Japan is is one example of this, where it's privately owned, um, you know, but but it cooperates closely. What's the thing going on today that they tried to get um, Trump to put into effect that basically would demand the government would demand that private businesses start producing ventilators and other things like a wartime act. Yeah. You know, and so that's kind of the idea. The businesses are privately owned, but they're going to cooperate either by will or force with what the government needs uh, from that. And so there we are. We, we, we've seen that. We have both welfare capitalism in our country. We have elements of state capitalism. And then um, a big word that's coming more and more popular is uh, democratic socialism. You know, Bernie Sanders. Uh, and and democratic socialism is a is is more of a philosophy, but it's a political ph- philosophy uh, supporting political democracy within socially owned economy, with a particular emphasis on a worker's self management and democratic control of economic institutions within a market. So socialist, it's kind of like the welfare capitalism, but in a democratic um, democ- in a democratic socialism, pri- there's things that are privately owned but they're heavily taxed um, so that you can support, you know, healthcare for all, uh, which would also include Medicaid expansion. Um, so forgive student loans because education should be free uh, and all of that. So, so democratic socialism is basically it's a socialistic economy, but things are privately owned, but heavily regulated and heavily taxed, uh, you know, from that for, for the sake of the common good. And, and again, Neither capitalism nor socialism is entirely biblical nor unbiblical or non-biblical. They're just two economic systems. Uh, it's basically all they are. And uh, somewhere I ran across this quote years ago and I'm, uh, as, well, as I was teaching, and I always used it when I would talk about the economy, and that is this. Within capitalism, man exploits man. Within socialism, the reverse is true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so man exploits man instead of yeah. man exploiting man. I got yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, they, both of them have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, the capitalistic principles, I think, are more appealing to me. Uh, and maybe because that's just the way I was brought up. Uh, but it helps me to understand that, okay, within capitalism, you have a tendency for greed and selfishness. Uh, within socialism, you have a tendency for entitlement um, and, uh, and, and, and ingenuity comes, becomes now. Basically, uh, within capitalism, you have a broader gap between the rich and the poor, but everybody's standard of living is higher. So even the poor have a higher standard of living. Um, you know, and, but then in socialism, there's the gap between the rich and the poor is more narrow but everybody's living standards is lower, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're destitute, uh, but it's just, you know, but it's just lower. And so the question becomes not, are you a capitalist or socialist? But the question becomes how much capitalism and how much socialism can you handle? Yeah. How do you much want capitalism? no ceiling or do you want a, a lower ceiling, but some yeah. safety? Yeah. Yeah. That's basically, that, that's a good way to summarize it. Well, I think we've got a a good kind of basic understanding of uh, socialism, uh, capitalism, and the spectrum everywhere in between. Let's take a break right now. When we come back, uh, let's let's kind of hold it up to that biblical lens and see what the Bible says about each one of these. We'll be right back. The Floods of Justice podcast is brought to you by the Coffee House at Second and Bridge. Since 1904, they have stood at the corner of Second and Bridge Street in the heart of downtown Franklin. 
Their house-made menu items are crafted with care and love. Baked goods are made from scratch each morning, and specialty coffee is always ground and brewed fresh. So come on down, wander the rooms, join us at the coffee bar, and find a space to enjoy the food, the drink, and maybe even a recording of the Floods of Justice podcast. All right, welcome back to Floods of Justice Economy 101 uh, here with Pastor Kevin Riggs. And uh, we've been talking about the concept of uh, socialism, capitalism, uh, living on a, a spectrum. They are opposite ends of a spectrum and that in their extremes, neither of them are biblical or unbiblical. Um, but let's, let's take a closer look now and see what the Bible does say and where it might fall in line on the spectrum or... I don't know how you would how you would put it, Pastor Kevin, but yeah, well, it, it, it's it's kind of like this, and you know, it's it's interesting because um, economics falls in one of those categories of what I would call obviously either a social good or a social sin, and uh, it's been my experience, thirty years of pastoring, you know, that if you that if you preach uh, and the topic is personal sins, um, then uh, you know you'll get a lot of amens and a lot of oh mys, you know, and and everything you're preaching the Bible. But when you start talking about social sins, uh, you know, injustices, things like that, all of a sudden you're, you're being political um, and, uh, and you're, you're leaning toward a liberal view of scripture, which is really, really interesting because the Bible says a whole lot more about national sins and social sins than it does personal sins. And so it's not one or the other, but it's, but it's both. And so usually when you hear people in the church and talk about finances, they're talking about stewardship and how to budget and get out of debt and, and all, per, all personal ways to hold money. Um, but the Bible has a lot to say about the economic system itself, you know, be it socialism or capitalism, it doesn't really matter. Just the, the economic system, how, how do we, what are some principles that we have to have in our economy, regardless of what form of the, econ- the economy is? What are some principles? And there's a lot of those principles. I've narrowed it down uh, just to five principles for us to kind of look at and consider. And, and then the reason I chose these five is because I think it has some application for what, where we are today as far as trying to open up the economy. Is it too quick? Is it too slow? That kind of thing. And so, uh, and so what does the Bible say about economics? Well, here's some basic principles, and there's five of them. One, the Bible makes it clear that we are to put people above profits. That's, that's just, it's, it's clear. So it doesn't matter if it's something like this or if it's, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a personal business owner if I was, and, um, and, you know, it's more important for me to make a lot of money than it is to take care of my people, the people who work for me. The Bible would say that's a sin because you, under no circumstance are you supposed to put people above profits. And here's, just a couple of verses and Paul writes in first Timothy chapter six, uh, verses 17 through 19. And I've got a lot of scripture to read. Um, but, uh, um, but anyways, you, you know, you can check them out later. I'll read them, but you can check them out later. First Timothy chapter six, verses 17 through 19. Paul writes, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works. I said, it's people over profits. You should be known for your good works, not how wealthy you are. Um, to, To be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And so basically what Paul is saying is, look, if you are, if you are wealthy, uh, the reason you're wealthy is so you can be generous to the people who aren't, so you, can, so you can lift people up, not hoard more and more for yourself, um, but basically you are blessed to be a blessing uh, to others. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 34, um, Luke tells us about the early church, that in the early church, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And so in the early church in Acts, um, people would sell their possessions and be generous to help people who did not have anything. 
Um, and, you know, when Jesus told the rich young ruler to sell all he has and give to the poor, and maybe that's what God is telling you to do. That's not what God's telling you to do. But one thing he is telling you to do is, is if you see the need of another person and you have the with and you have the ability to help that need and you don't, well, then at that moment in time, you are putting your profits ahead of people and people are always supposed to come before profit. Always. And so if the attitude of open up the economy is, you know, we got to get back to work so we can make a lot of money. And if people die, they die. I hope that's not the attitude. But if that is, uh, then we're violating, you know, we're violating a fundamental um, principle of, uh, of economics from the Bible. People above profits. Yeah. Right? Now, if you, so if you trust God's design for mankind and, and how we function, and, and if you use the scripture of, you know, uh, seek, seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will be added. <clears throat> is it fair to, to believe and trust that if you put people above profits, that, uh, that it could be, I hate to use the word prosperous for you, but beneficial for, for everyone involved, or does that, is that, or are we actually being asked by God to just trust him? And by putting people over profits, you may have losses, you may have suffering, you may have these, you know, negative uh, outcomes, but the overall positive is that you followed God's will and design in that you put people over profits. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think the, the answer to both is yes. You know, but like if, if the only reason I'm helping people is because I think, okay, if I give this person a dollar, God's going to give me a hundred dollars you know, then that's no, no, no. Your attitude is not, you know, your heart is not right. Yeah. And so the, and so, you know, the idea of sacrificial giving is I'm going to give because God has told me and he's instructed me to give. And if God never blesses me, you know, again, we got to redefine what blessing means. But if, but if I never get that back, then you know what? I'm trusting God. There's something, there's something greater. I did what God did, what God asked me to do and God and God is sovereign. But yeah, at the same time, there is also um, a, the spiritual gift of generosity. And uh, I don't have that gift. I mean, I, I like to think that I'm generous. But what I mean by that is I think that there are some people um, who, who God has gifted with this supernatural ability um, to, to help other people with financial gifts. I mean, you know, uh, and, it, and it seems like the more they give, <laughs> the more God gives them. Yeah. You know, because you can't outgive God. But that's not a template that says that that's going to happen to all of us. And I think the people with that gift, they don't give so that God will give. They just have this gift of generosity. And as a result of that, God just keeps pouring into the, into their life because he know he knows that they're going to be they're going to use this to bless other people. You know, because the Bible doesn't necessarily, um, you know, condemn being rich or, or condone being poor. But what the Bible does say is we should always be on the side of the poor. Right. You know, so, so if, if, if God has blessed you, there's a reason for that. And part of that reason is to be a blessing um, is to be a blessing for others. And so, yes, on both occasions, but I can't give with the attitude I'm giving. And as a result of me, it's like an investment I'm giving. And now, God's yeah, gonna, yeah. you know, it's, I'm giving this and I may never see it again. And now I'm trusting God to, to take care of my needs when I'm, uh, uh, when I'm in that situation. Right. But people over profits, that's, that's the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, a second principle that I think applies to us today, especially in our culture is that life is more than the accumulation of stuff. You know, we, we've got this saying in our culture that he who dies with the most toys wins, you know, yeah. uh, but in reality, he who dies with the most toys, still dies. Still dies. Yeah. You know, and so at the end of the day, the, the toys don't mean anything, but we've got this, um, we, we've, we've got this idea. I just went blank on the sociological term for it, where we, we want to buy things to impress people. And that is, so we've got to accumulate. So we got to have a bigger house because that's impressive. We got to have a nicer car. We got to have whatever it may be. We got to wear certain clothes. Um, you know, because that's impressive. Just you and I will understand this. Nobody else will understand this. But in the diving world, right? Yes. Uh, Henderson is is kind of a top brand wetsuit, right? Yeah. And and you usually pay more money for it. Well, I when I started scuba diving, I couldn't afford Henderson, so I and so I started buying, um, and, and it, 
And at one time the brand was like uh, knew something. I can't remember now what the brand was. Uh, but when I did research, what I found out was that Henderson made that wetsuit. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's the same wetsuit, you know, but one cost $300 and one cost a hundred dollars. And, uh, but you know, if you're in the diving community and you see somebody with a Henderson wetsuit, you're thinking, man, that's a nice wetsuit. And you see, and it's like, well, this is the same. It's just the, the name on the front is different. And, uh, uh, you know, and so we do that. The, the product could be the exact same thing. Uh, but we buy it because we want to try to impress people. And so this accumulation of stuff, I mean, goodness gracious. And I'm as guilty of this as anybody. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to myself, um, but we've got so much junk that we have to buy storage units to put our junk in. Um, but yet there's people who can't afford houses. Yeah. You know, and so in our community, uh, every time you turn around, it's like another self storage place is going up but you talk about affordable housing and nobody wants to talk to you. Okay. So we'll, we'll house our junk, but we won't, we won't house other people, you know? Uh, and so, and, he, and here's the verse for that. Jesus is one of my favorite verses, Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Your, your life is more than your stuff. Um, in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 to 37, Jesus says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, we've got this consumeristic idea that we have to keep up with the Joneses. And uh, whereas the biblical idea is life is more than your stuff. You know, so just be content yeah. uh, with what you have. And so are we going back to work? Are we trying to open up the economy? because we want to accumulate more stuff. And if that's the motivation, you know what, let's not do that. People above profits, um, life is more than, than your accumulation of stuff. A third principle, and I know this is somewhat controversial, but, um, but anyway, this is my podcast, so I can say. <laughs> I can do what I want. <laughs> Three, third principle, a livable wage is a biblical concept. You know, a livable wage is a biblical concept. Yeah. Um, and so we are to pay people a livable wage, not pay them the least amount we can and get away with it. You know, because when we do that, it's usually because it's what we want in our profit. You know, and so, but a livable wage is a biblical concept. And here's, and here's a verse for that. Malachi chapter three, verse five. Uh, the prophet says, so I will, so, or God says through the prophet, so I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against, and I listen to these, these things, listen to the context. God says, I'm going to judge you, and I'm going to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers. Right? So, I mean, those are like, yeah, God, go get them. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then he says, against those who defraud laborers of their wages. And so God puts this you know, not paying people a livable wage on the same level as witches and adulterers. Yeah. You know, I'm going to judge you for these things and for not paying laborers of their wage and, and who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you for of justice. So he puts Im immigrants in there, but do not fear me, says the Lord almighty. Now, <clears throat> If you get a chance, uh, wherever you're listening to this to, from, um, you can go to um, livingwage.mit.edu. And they have every state and every county. So you can, you can click on the county that you live in, and it will tell you what the livable wage in that county is. And what the livable wage means is it's the bare minimum that you need to make in order to live in that county without any type of um, governmental support. So, you know, you don't have to worry about food stamps, subsidized housing. So the bare minimum, the livable wage is the bare minimum a person needs uh, to live in that, to be able to live in that county or that country or, or that state. Okay. And so um, I did Davidson County and Williamson County. We live in Williamson County, but Davidson County is right beside us. So Franklin and Nashville. And um, for a family of four living in those two counties, a family of four with one working adult, the minimum they need 
to have a livable wage is $25.86 per hour. And that's based on a 40-hour work week. Yeah. You know, and so that's the minimum you a family of four with one adult. Uh, now, I assume this next stat is is because, you know, if there's two adults, it's, on, it's based on a family of four with two adults. And if you're a family of four and you have two working adults, then the minimum is $15.32 per hour per person. And so if you have, so, so get this, and I think this is correct. If you have one person in a family of four working, that person needs basically $26 an hour. If you have two adults working in a family of four, then their combined income, it should be over $30 an hour. And I think the reason, so it's like, well, man, you're better off having one work. And in a lot of ways you are, because if you got two working, I think the reason that it goes up to $30 an hour is because you have more transportation costs, more clothing costs, daycare costs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You see, but basically if you've got a family of four, if you rounded it up with both, you need right at $30 an hour to live in Davidson County and Williamson County. Do you know what the minimum wage is in Davidson County and Williamson County? Oh, I'm afraid to ask. $7 and 25 cents an hour. Ouch. Half, half, half. And, and it has not gone up in over 10 years. You see. Wow. And so, and so we are, our economy, you know, and when people talk about this pandemic, um, and I don't agree with this, but when t- people talk about this pandemic being God's judgment on us because of our sins, what they usually mean by that is homosexuality, abortion, those kind of things. But maybe if God is judging us because of our sins, he's judging us because we have not been giving people livable wages. And so God has said, you're not going to pay livable wages. I'm going to take all your jobs away. Yeah. You know, and so because God says more about economic sins than he does those other sins. Well, it seems like it's never because of our sins. It's because of your sins. It's always because not of the other. I did, but if you didn't do this, we wouldn't be. Yeah, it's thing. always it's always the sin of the other. Mm-hmm. It's never our sins uh, that have caused any type of a pandemic. And again, that's if you believe that God has caused this for some reason. And, you know, I'm not sure about that. But if you if you think that way, it's always because of other people's sins, not our own. Yeah. From that. All right. And so a livable wage is a biblical concept and a livable wage is not really $15 an hour. That's what everybody talks about. And that would be great to go from 725 to 15. Uh, but even then, that's not quite livable unless you've got two adults in a family of four, two adults working. And then it might be. All right. <clears throat> Number four, poverty is not part of God's perfect plan. And we talked about this months ago before Corona when we talked about poverty. Yeah. Uh, but God says in Deuteronomy 15, four, talking to his people, he says, however, there should be no, no poor among you for in the land, the Lord, your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance. He will richly bless you. And so if you believe that our country is a Christian country based on Christian principles and it's a big if, then that verse would apply. There should be no poverty in the United States because God has blessed us so much. And so if there's poverty uh, and we talked about this in an earlier podcast. If there's poverty, it's a result of the people of God not doing what God wants his people to do. You know, and so it's, it's, it's a problem with the church not being in the hands and feet of Jesus um, if, if there's poverty. Because in God's plan, he makes it clear, I don't want anybody to be poor. There should be no poor among you, period. Yeah. And then, and then you see that lived out in the early church where uh, – where, um, Luke writes in Acts 4.34, which we already looked at, there was no poor among them. <laughs> you know, and so there was at least that glimpse of it's possible. You know, that, that what God said can, can be lived out in his kingdom when we, uh, when we apply these principles. Um, and so, you know, and so that's a biblical concept of the economy is that poverty is not part of God's plan. And then, and then this is the last one. And, um, and I've got several verses for this. Uh, but the fifth principle is building personal wealth on the back of the poor is a sin. It's plain and simple. Just call it what it is. Building personal wealth while oppressing other people uh, is a sin. Um, and, uh, and here's some verses for that. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, where Ezekiel says, 
This is what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. This was the sin that caused God to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was not homosexuality. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, Ezekiel says, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter, which would be Gomorrah, she and her daughter were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. And Ezekiel says, that was the, that's sodomy, not helping the poor and the needy. Um, and so when we build wealth, there's nothing wrong with wealth, but when we build wealth on the backs of the poor and we keep people down so we can have more, so if we hoard, then, that, then that's a sin. That, that's, to me, that's what the Bible says. Proverbs twenty two sixteen, He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and he who gives gifts to the rich will come to poverty. You know, so now think about that. He who oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth, and then he who gives to the rich, and a way of application, you know, we're going to give tax cuts to the rich. We're going to give a bigger portion of the stimulus pie to the rich. Uh, that business is too big to fail, so we have to, we have to help them out while other people are left to, to die in their poverty. God says, you'll, you'll become poor if you do that, you know, if you do either of those. And so building wealth on the backs of the poor is a sin. James says this in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. He says, now listen, you rich people, whip, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. <laughs> the rich, misery. Your wealth has rotted and, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. Watch out if you're rich, if you're not taking care of the poor and you're building your wealth on the back of the poor. God has severe judgment coming for, uh, to you as an individual, but I think also uh, as a nation. You know, that we're blessed, but we're arrogant, overfed, and not caring for the poor. Uh, watch out. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you're, you're standing in judgment. And then Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Do not take advantage of a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether that worker is a fellow Israelite or a foreigner residing in one of your towns. It doesn't matter if they're a citizen or an immigrant. Do not take advantage of them. Pay them their wages each day before sunset because they are poor and counting on it. Otherwise, they may cry to the Lord against you and you will be guilty of sin. So there it is. You're building your wealth on the back of the poor. God says you're guilty of sin. So you see, I didn't make that up. Yeah. That's, and that's not a liberal agenda. <clears throat> it's what the Bible says. But Pastor Kevin, America was built on Christian principles. The foundation of America is on Christian principles. Yet, If you ask the marginalized, the Native Americans, the African Americans, you might get a different version, different opinion on that. A different opinion. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I said that, I mean, uh, or in the notes that I sent you, it's, you know, that uh, Amer you can say America was built on, the ba on biblical principles, but in reality, America was built on free labor. Yeah. You know, um, and so cynically speaking, the USA, it, somebody said this a few weeks ago, and it just caught me, you know, th this, is a, this is an extreme statement to make a point, okay? Um, and, but, but cynically speaking, the United States likes capitalism for the poor, but socialism for the rich. You know, so your business is too big to fail. We're going to help you. We're going to bail you out. We're going to give you tax breaks. Poor? Uh, well, you don't, you don't deserve those food stamps anymore or, or the SNAP program. We yeah. got to drug test you before we give you another. You got to stay motivated. You got to stay motivated. Yeah. Um, you know, but if, and so, and so we like the capitalism on the, for the poor, 
if you want a better paying job, get a better education, you know, better, da, 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 da. but socialism on the rich. Um, and and I, I think there's some truth as again, that's an extreme statement, but I think there's some truth in that extreme statement. Um, <clears throat> so you see that when you have stimulus packages and bailouts for companies uh, that are too big to fail. Um, and, uh, and yet you have the small business owners, um, you know, when there's been articles in the paper, you know, where the government had the, you know, the PPP, the, the, um, the payroll protection plan, um, man, the moment it went out, these large companies ate it all up and the small business owner didn't get it. And so now they're going to have to do another stimulus and puts a little bit different guardrails in that, uh, um, <clears throat> to keep that from happening, you know? And, um, <clears throat> and it's the same way with the personal stimulus. Um, I haven't gotten mine yet. <clears throat> um, and I know other people, you, you know, who haven't gotten it, but some have, but eventually I'll get it. So I'm not worried about it, but, uh, but, uh, um, but why, you know, why is that? Why, why, are, why are we continuing to oppress the poor, um, to build up our own wealth? And that could be seen in not, you know, as countries, you know, we outsource our stuff, so we can pay people less in another country. Uh, so the, our bottom line is increased. So the investors in the company make more money. Yeah. Um, and, and just the out of, out of, um, <clears throat> the out of balance of how much a CEO of a large corporation makes compared to how much the worker for that CEO, you know, makes, um, there, there's, there's gotta be a balance there somewhere. And so, uh, our country in many ways was built on the backs of slavery um, in many ways, it was built by confiscating land that was not ours, um, by, by uh, you know, annihilation of the Native Americans, as you mentioned. And, but yet, if you talk about reparations at all, you're a socialist. That's a liberal ideology. Um, instead of just, no, no, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of injustices that we need to put right. Now, how we do that, I don't know. Yeah. But there's a lot of injustices um, that need... Um, that need to be put right. But anyway, any thoughts for that before, you know, we finish up with just kind of the call for action. Sure. Well, I mean, I think going forward, acknowledging that, well, we may not all completely agree. It's not that we have to have the same opinions or that we have the same solutions, but if we can at least have the same problem in that, how do we care for people? Um, it seems like that needs to be our, our motivation and it's, it's pretty clear from what we talked about today, God's view and the biblical view of, of the importance and, and priority of taking care of people. Do you have some uh, kind of calls to action, some practical steps that, that people can run with? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, again, since this kind of came for me, came out of this idea that we're trying to open up our economy, um, then my suggestion or some action steps would be, look, follow the guidelines that your local government has set up you know uh, don't make the restaurant owner um, ask you not to come in because they're already at 50 percent capacity you walk in and you see this restaurant's at 50 cent 50 percent capacity go to go to another place don't make the restaurant owner be the bad guy is that making sense yeah you know just follow the guidelines um, wear a mask um, you know as much as I hate to I, I try um, to, uh, to wear a mask, you know, wash my hands, um, you know, just, just follow the guidelines and, not, and don't be in a rush to uh, uh, open up the economy where we may do more harm than good uh, with, uh, uh, with, with people and with the, uh, um, you know, tip well if you do go out to eat. Yeah. And you can do it tip really, really well because that person serving you food may not have worked in six weeks. Yeah. You know, and they're behind on their bills. And uh, and so, you know, just tip well. Um, you know, support your local businesses and, uh, and and your local economy the best that you can. To me, one of the coolest things we've done during this pandemic is when we've been taking care of our, the homeless in our city by putting them in a hotel, we've been going to the local restaurants and caterers and getting them to provide one meal a day and paying, and paying for it. Not asking for a donation, but paying for it tipping uh, at least 25%. Um, and so sometimes it ends up being $700 for one meal for the people in our hotel, but we're helping the people experiencing homelessness and we're supporting our local economy, you know? And so if you're in a position uh, to where you have been blessed 
uh, be generous. Just just be overly generous with people uh, during this time. So support your local businesses. Uh, write your congressman, you know, and your senator. Uh, they probably haven't gotten any emails over the last six weeks, so they're looking forward. <laughs> yeah, please, somebody. <laughs> Well, they're looking forward to people complaining. So, so write your congressmen and senators and um, and tell them uh, that you would like to see the minimum wage increase to at least fifteen dollars per hour. You know, and uh, and expansion of Medicaid, Medicare, uh, all those kind of things. Uh, but you know what? Increase the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour. And uh, but then also uh, an action step would be just just really really learn to be content with what you have uh, you know you've gone without um for six weeks and you've survived yeah you know you may have been on the verge of buying of, of buying something um conspicuous consumption is the term i was looking for conspicuous uh-huh. cons- consumption buying things because of how it will make you look to other people in okay. front of other people um, and so maybe you're going to buy something and uh and the virus hit you haven't been able to six weeks do you really need that you know do, don't just be content um, be learn to be content with what you have and again just uh learn to be generous uh, especially as we come out of this people are going to be hurting so bad uh, they're going back to work but they're two months behind on their rent if their rents were forgiven they probably weren't forgiven they would just say well we'll make it up later <laughs> you know um, yeah or if a, a homeowner couldn't make their house payment for one or two months and they called the mortgage company. The, the mortgage company is not going to say, forget about it. They're going to put those two payments on the end of the mortgage. You know, so, so people are hurting um, when it comes to food. Um, if you've hoarded toilet paper, give some of it away. All right. And you don't need it, you know, but just, um, and if you are a business owner, um, if you took care of your people during this time and you were doing a, a God thing, if you paid your employees while they were not working, um, kudos. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that is, uh, I think that's what God would have wanted you to do. And, um, and, and so now give, go back to work, give them a raise and let's, uh, <laughs> let, let's move, let's, let's move on. And you know, there's been a few examples of businesses that have, been generous with their employees and taking care of them. And it seemed like it hasn't hurt their profit at all. Starbucks would be one that, you know, they give help, they offer health care to everybody. Even if they're just working part time, you know, um, there was a one guy what out in California who started a company, became a millionaire and then realized, um, the only way he could pay his employees more is if he took a cut. And so he makes what, like, so like everybody in the company makes like 70,000 a year or something yeah, like that. I've minimum. Seen that story. And his his profits don't seem to have been hurt that much, you know. Um, and uh, but just let's take care of one another and do what we can to help each other financially during this time. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for for joining us on this episode. Uh, in the in the next week, we are considering doing a uh, Facebook Live recording of the podcast. So stay tuned. We'll give you details on that. Um, but any uh, any teasers teasers you want to give us on some upcoming episodes? Well, some of the topics we've talked about um, trying to cover over the next few weeks are voting laws. You know, there's been a lot of stuff about mail-in ballots because of the situation that we're in. And it might be good to, to take to look at the history of, um, of voting laws and why certain segments of our population get up, react the way they do. Even if you talk about just having an ID to vote, there's a reason for all that. Um, and so voting laws, uh, gerrymandering um, districts and so forth might be something that we talk about um, and how voting laws uh, can affect racial and economic demographics um, in different ways. Environmental issues. I thought about environmental issues today because one of the, one of the things that you if, if you've seen some articles uh, with everybody around the world, not just the United States, but with everybody around the world sheltering in place and and uh, public parks being closed and and uh, and all of that it's like the environment has cleaned up a little bit yeah you know and uh there's a picture of a jellyfish swimming through one of the canals in italy <laughs> the other <that>. day <laughs> you know there have been dolphins in that canal or did you see the picture of the uh some safari place out in uh, africa somewhere where all these tigers 
or, or I guess they were lions, uh, laying on the road, sleeping. Ah, uh, no. I'll have yeah, because there's no one going there. Yeah. And so now they're just, they're just out in the warm pavement, just sunbathing, just, you know, in the middle of the road because people haven't been there in a while. Same thing I think has happened um, in, um, um, oh, what's the big part in the Midwest here? Yellowstone or uh, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Same thing has happened in Yellowstone where they talked about the forest rangers said they've seen more bears uh, in the last few weeks than they ever have because yeah. the parks are closed. The only people in there are forest rangers and the bears are coming out of the woods. And, and so the environment, you know, so I thought about the environment, maybe something we want to talk about here soon, but send us some ideas of what topics you'd like for us to talk about. You know, that's just, if you got one, just send it to us on, you can, on our Facebook page, floods of justice, Facebook page is, Hey, I like for you guys to talk about this. And, uh, and we'll consider it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Kevin. This was a, a, a fascinating episode and I uh, look forward to the next one and, and doing a live episode and looking forward to getting back into the coffee house to have some better coffee than I can make at home. That's right. That's yeah. right. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin.